Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of the Crown Yourself podcast. This episode, I know I say every episode excites me, but this episode in particular, because I have had the pleasure of working with Joanne Getson over the course of the past six months. Joanne comes from the world of the entertainment industry, which, as you know, has been rocked these past few months with the SAG strikes, with the writer's strikes, with all of the challenges and changes that are being introduced with AI. And come January of this past year, Joanne pivoted her entire career, leveraging her skill set from unscripted TV and scripted production, including shows such as Mob Wives, Southern Charm, and movies like The Wrestler, into a powerful business that is now leveraging the things that she does best with video and marketing strategies and developing products and programs for business owners who want to augment their current brand mission and revenue by expanding the storytelling capacity of their business through video. In this episode, one a few of my favorite things that you are absolutely going to just grab onto and I want you to really listen for is the skill set that improvisational comedy actually provided Joanne in being able to create and leverage this massive pivot from employee to entrepreneur, as well as her drive and value for staying curious and how she aligned her values personally to create the solution and fill the niche that was needing her exact skill set. And if you're currently in an industry that's being radically disrupted by AI, and basically that's all of them, then I encourage you to look at this interview and listen to how can you leverage the skill set, tools, resources that you have to create a new path, to pioneer a new way forward into this new era that we all are entering. And with that, I give you Joanne Getson. Welcome to the Crown Yourself Podcast, where together we build your empire and transform your subconscious stories about what's possible for your business, body, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm a master mindset coach, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, known to my clients as a game changer. Each week, you get the conscious leadership strategies you need to help you reign with courage, clarity, and confidence so that you too can make the income and impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your royal invitation to step into your full potential and reign in your divine purpose. Your sovereignty starts here and your reign is now. Joanne, I am so excited to have you on the Crown Yourself podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. This is my first podcast. <laughs> I love to be the first. So do you know the last person who was a first podcaster, they went on to build a $30 million empire. So all right. I will take I will take those odds. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, about your journey. Cause I mean, you come from a deep dive background in television, but now you're you've transitioned through oh yeah together into doing something completely different and yet the skill set still translates oh yeah well it's um i have been in television for over 15 years i went to film school and then worked in new york and then in los angeles on all kinds of product productions 
and uh, yeah, I've seen it all. And this year was quite a year of transition. Um, you know, I had a some loss and just decided, okay, time to do something else and worked with you. And then we brainstormed some things, you know, that were in my passion and, you know, um, industries that are more in line with what I love to do and, and values. And then started to realize that, okay, what I really love is fitness and pole dancing in particular, <laughs> pole fitness. And how can I build a business from that? And one thing led to another. And right now I am building a platform, a video on demand and a streaming platform for legendary studio in Las Vegas. And it's been pretty amazing to realize that everything I've been working on on the last, working on all the skills I've learned in the last 15 years are transferable to something that's more in line with what I love to do. And yeah, I'm on a different path right now, <laughs> building something new. <laughs> And that's your skill set, though. Like that's always been your thing. Is you've, I mean, you were you were, you worked in TV, but if you've never worked in entertainment, then there there are different stages to production. And you were particularly skilled at like building the things of in development and production pieces. And you've done it all. But how did you come upon that that skill set that is a thing that you love that is building something new? Where did that come from? I don't know. I, I think I've always been the person that likes to build something from scratch. If it's what I'm doing at work or if I'm doing something around my house, I like having a problem and then building it, finding a solution and then building it and thinking outside of the box. And I like exploring new worlds. I like traveling. I like asking questions. I like trying things that I've never tried before just because, okay, that's something new and something I'm afraid of. I'm going to give that a shot. Um, I mean, maybe it's a sense of adventure, but this idea of trying something new, you know, what what else is out, out there and asking questions and just being curious. I've always been that way and I will always be that way, I hope. And I think when you can be curious, um, it leads to new things. Um, it leads to new experiences and it opens up a whole new world um, if you just ask, okay, what else is there? <laughs> just keep poking at it. And I think that that's like one of the things that I love about your mindset that has just been such a, a catalyst for your very quick success to like flip from being used to being an employee into an entrepreneur is you have such coachability because you're curious and you're willing to ask the question and you're willing to go there. And that curiosity is something, did you find that you had that in childhood that you would just deconstruct or get curious or who taught you that? Oh, wow. You know what? My dad had this quote and he would always tell us, he'd always ask us when we were afraid of something or we were going to try something new and we weren't sure if we were good at it or if we were going to go down a ski slope that was a little bit too challenging for us. He would tell us, or he would ask us, he said, what's the worst that could happen? And that stuck with me that, okay, you maybe want to try this thing. Um, okay. You have the skills. It's not like you're just, you know, diving off the back of a boat into shark infested waters. What's the worst that can happen? You know, what do you need to do to, to get there? But um, is your fear valid or can you do things to prepare for that fear? But give it a shot more than anything. I think that's an important thing that I've always carried with my with in life 
is is that. And um, anytime I'm about to try something new or I face some adversity, I think of that is what is the worst that could happen. And usually it's not as scary as it's I initially think about that, that you know, I usually think it is. It's something that you can break down into pieces and then compartmentalize it a little bit. What was the biggest aha that you you found throughout our coaching journey together? It's that there's more possibilities out there. I think if you're in any industry for as long as I've been, I think it's really easy to get some tunnel vision on what the trajectory is, um, what's next, how is the industry changing, um, where do you fit into that, how do you fit into that, and then um, where do you go from there? And I think the same kind of, if there's a moment where you can ask, or if there's a moment where you can step back and say, what else is there? There's a lot more possibility out there than what you immediately think there there is. It's taking that leap. But it's also looking at what, I think it was really helpful to look at what I've done and what I've built and what I enjoyed working in television. And those skills are definitely transferable, but it's just the suggestion that there are more options out there. Yeah, and that power of the power of possibility. I know when I shifted from and uh, I had like my moment, like I thought, like oh, I had my first film that I co-wrote with the director, I, like produced, distributed, and like I was there, I was at the premiere and yeah. you know red carpet and all that, and we just found out that I got picked up by Lionsgate and was going to be on Netflix and. I was like, in that moment, I was like, I should be 100% fulfilled, but I'm not. And that moment of recognizing, okay, where is a skill transferable? Like, what is, what really is the skill that I had, like, as a writer? And the fact that I can see people's stories and that training as a, as a writer and an actor and an improv, which I know you've done as well, which I want to ask about, <laughs> like... Like that ability to be adaptable in the scene and flexible. So it's such a cornerstone and it allows you to pivot industries. It doesn't just allow you to pivot in a scene where you're like doing what, what was it called? Shape work? Uh, where you're oh, yeah. making things out of, where you like yep. pens of things. Yeah. You're holding a topic up there. Work. Object work. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I always sucked at that. <laughs> Rightly so. But the, it was the 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 catalyst of improv of being able to take a risk. And so how has improv really trained you as a leader? I have fully embraced. Oh, I, I love the idea of yes and. And even when you hear, when people are, when you're in a creative environment, you want to encourage brainstorming and encourage building on ideas. And not every idea is going to be you know, a game changer. <laughs> but it's important to foster creativity and it's import important, really important to foster teamwork. And I think nothing does that better than improv because this idea that every idea or every suggestion is a gift and, and in improv, they actually call it a gift um, and you build onto it. It doesn't mean you have to accept it. They're like, that's it. But that gift and that idea exists. And what do you do with that? And how does that acceptance of a, a gift or an idea lead on to yes and okay so we've got this thing how do you build on to that with the next thing and you can end up with something 
totally different. And there's a lot of beauty in that idea. I mean, I have tried to use that in professional life, in my personal life, and then what I'm building, and just life in general, that yes and, um, particularly just suggestions that you don't like immediately. Um, what is this thing that you're given? And then what do you do with it after this? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't work, but you have to accept that that thing was given to you and then build from it. Yeah. And it's, I, I love the concept of yes. And I actually think if we were to go like full on esoteric, that it is, it is the basis of manifestation and the basis of like most spiritual, it's most spirituality, quite frankly, of like the, the manifestation of creating something from nothing, that, that, that idea is a gift and it's the acceptance of it that then, like you said, built off of and you faced a ton of challenges during our time together. How did you yes and those? Well, I lost my dad earlier in this year and I had some setbacks professionally too. And I actually picked up meditation because it was a, a one-two punch for me. And I started meditating and I found my tree meditation, which really I embraces this idea of well, what, the, what I took from it is like, I'm given this thing and I don't know what it is and it's awful, but it exists. And then what do you do with that? That something beautiful can happen to it. And sometimes it's just accepting that it's there. And, you know, it's, that was helpful. And I think I've, I have found many times in my life that when you, when bad things happen, that the unexpected things that can come from it can have meaning and it's not always that they're good and it's not that it's always going to be better but there's there there are possibilities out there if you accept that there's a break and that there's an end to something if you also open up to other opportunities i don't know i don't want to sound like it's always easy and things are you know, happy-go-lucky all the time, because I, I don't think that's true. But I do think there's something that can happen when there's, um, when you're faced with a challenge, if it's that yes end, or if it's, um, you know, just seeing, okay, this exists. Now, what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, the yes and really stems from one of my favorite questions that I'm pretty sure I asked it of you um, when we were coaching together was the question of how is this the best thing that ever happened to you? And honestly, like in certain situations, you're like, this is an asshole question to ask. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like when we look for the silver linings, when we look for the positive, when we look for how can we shape the meaning of this experience, as sucky as this experience it is, how can we shape the meaning for ourselves to really direct us in the way that we want it to go, that to, to to guide us so that it doesn't consume us and that we don't get depleted, but that we're able to find that positive forward motion that that you know, that's that's the job of coaches is to keep keep forward focused on the vision and the vision beyond the current circumstances. And you did such a beautiful like pivot in such a quick time, quite frankly, like to be able to 
to work with one of the major pole dancers in her field into doing something that you absolutely love. And so what is the skill set that you were so easily able to transfer over? Oh, so many things. Um, it was not just with this platform that I'm building uh, for Pole Fitness Studio, it's a lot of development. You know, what what Fania wanted to do was go online, take her classes and go online so that people could access the studio in some way. Uh, it would be for current students and also people who have left the studio and those who just know her in the, in the world. And then what would that look like? Um, so working with her i you know i guess what, what i brought was just asking what do you want to make you know just asking a lot of questions which is something that i i do like to do when i'm trying to understand the world um more is what what's the what do you want what do you envision what do you how, who do you want to use this platform um how do you want people to use it and then research and i just went back and i researched what else was out there who um else has a platform what is her competition like and then how do we build something that represents what that studio is that was very authentic to um to the community to the current students and it represented what that brand is and also what it what it could be and how it could could grow so i think those are the skills i brought to her yeah i think one of the things is is the curiosity that like i mean you you coming from your background in reality TV and docu-series, like you constantly use this phrase when we were working together called understanding a world. So give me some idea of what it means to understand a world. How did you as a reality producer go about understanding a world? Because I actually think that for the coaches and authors and CEOs listening to this podcast, like I think you're actually going to give them some deeper perspective because you don't come from that industry and and that can definitely be applied and applicable to to their work. Yeah, um, it is so fun to get tossed into a world, and if it's a business or a place or a foreign location, and just try to figure out what's going on. Um, it's just observing and asking a lot of questions and seeing, you know, being observant. You know, each business does something different. Um, each city has its own vibe, its own language, and it's noticing what those differences are. Um, I think there's something like when you pull up to, uh, you know, when I first pulled up to um, Pole Fitness Studio, I knew a friend, I had a friend who who takes classes there, so we talked a little bit about what that was like. But I pulled up to the the class and you get all these opinions on on what's inside and who takes classes and you know it's in vegas so it's going to have a certain flair to it and you really have to let that go and just kind of see what's actually going on because what what's presented and what's actually what's there are two different things so the longer you can sit with something and um just talk to students or or teachers to get their opinion on things or you know, I was developing reality shows, just listening, asking questions, getting a lay of the land <laughs> before making any judgments, I think is the most important thing. Uh, and then take some time to to let that sit and to decipher, okay, th- these are some patterns that I'm seeing um, over time, or these are some some phrases, and this is what the world is. I think those are the best ways to keep it authentic. And also 
kind of identify what, what the problems are, what the challenges is, are. Because, you know, really in, in television, what you're looking for are those challenges. <laughs> you want those dramatic moments in those stories. So it doesn't appear right away. And that takes a little while for it to reveal itself. And um, the longer you can just see what, be observant, ask the right questions, you'll see where the problems are and, you know, what, what's at stake. Um, and it's true for any industry or, you know, for any leader just um, to explore what, you know, maybe what, what needs to happen or just listen. <laughs> Sit and listen, I think is huge. So what are the right questions? Someone said the right questions. So like giving some examples from that you've used when you're you're working on 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 location when you were in reality. Oh, well here I'm gonna give you the typical TV answer because it depends. Okay. <laughs> Anything in the television <laughs> depends. But because oh, that's so tough. It's not a cut and dry answer, really. It's I like to see, I'm always curious. You know who's in who's in charge you know who makes the decision um where who influences them you know who has a lot of sway in in a leader's mind i think that's important maybe maybe lingo you know what what the process is those kind of things i'm i'm interested about and also who are some of the regulars but you know it depends it everything's different everything each industry is so different yeah and yet i can see how those because you, you, you know media i'm the, I'm the pattern like you can see all the like yeah. cross patterns and i'm like what you just described i hope that every coach listening was taking notes because those questions are like when you're thinking of coaching a leader you do want to know who's who's influencing them who's yeah. who's in their sphere of influence whether it's their family or their partner or um, their relationships or their kids, like who's impacting the way that they make decisions? How do they make decisions? And who is like, what are the the roles of every other person who's who's a supporting cast in their life? And when you and then when you see that, it really provides a backdrop to understand the challenges that the person is facing. And yes, in TV, while well, you go for like, let's get the Let's get the, that moment in, in coaching. We're like, let's go for the breakthrough. So we don't necessarily want to film the, the breakthrough necessarily, but go for the breakthrough of finding like, okay, we, let's break through the pattern instead of incentivizing drama around it. But that that those questions are so transferable for every leader to be able to better understand if you're going to be doing business with partner or you're coaching a, a leader or a CEO, understanding that sphere of influence is essential. Mm -hmm. And apparently, even on docu-series and unscripted series. So yeah, you may not get the table flip in, in coaching, but <laughs> ideally not. No, you do not. Want to, but, uh, but it exists in its own way. You know, <laughs> there's going to be a table flip in in their own way. So I know that you've never worked with a coach before. Mm-mm. Yeah. What what was that in incentive to tip you over the edge to like looking for coaching, looking for guidance, looking for support? What were you yeah. looking for? You know, it was um I was starting to feel like I needed to do something different. And I was having a lot of challenges in what it was where I was working and uh, you know, I was just thinking like what's next? What am I gonna do? Where do I grow from here? And um, it was a good time to start thinking about what else can I, 
not what else they can do, but like what's next for me? And how do I develop some skills to get to the next phase, um, to the, uh, whatever that is? Um, I did not think I was going to transition in a way that um, I'm building my own thing. <laughs> I haven't, I just, that was not, I think you literally my, told me, like, I don't know if I want to build my own thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just didn't think I had it in me, but, but I do. And that surprised me. But I think the, the, the impetus of it really was um, thinking about what, what's next for me. Uh, Cause I was a little stuck, you know, it's like you, you get this tunnel vision of what, what you've done, what you should be doing, what's the next phase. And there's more to that. And it was so helpful to, to work with you and to explore other ideas outside of in different industries and things that are, that are more, I'm more passionate about, but um, things that are more in line with um, uh, some outside interest. Yeah. And I think a, a big piece was uh, values. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That was key. I actually have, from when we worked on our my values, I have them taped up in front of my desk and I look at them every morning and I rearrange them every week depending on what I'm doing and I put them in a different order depending on what that week is. I think the values are key. Um, and they ch- they'll change and they take on different meaning. But I think reminding myself of what's important to me that I want to build and I want to be remembered for, that's been that's so important. Um, yeah. Yeah. And values, um, if you've never done any deep values work, it's it's like, ah, you know, because we, we can be very, people can sometimes be very glib about their values of like, oh, these are the corporate values that we stand by. But unless there's any frame of reference or context or meaning behind it, it's like, okay, great. That's what you stand for. But are you actually living that? Mm-hmm. And when you can look at the values from like, how do you actually live? Like what actually, what actually pisses you off? And what actually do you, do you love? What actually like really incentivizes you, motivates you internally? Because it's not that you lose motivation, it's that people lose focus. Mm-hmm. And when you can look at that through that lens, then that's where you start to get a little bit of clarity on, on what are those values that actually move you? Because your values are a subconscious processing system. They are a filter that you make decisions through. And if certain things and external circumstances or jobs or industries that you're in are not aligning with those values, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be strife. And it's in a like in a in that allowance and acceptance that yes and of saying okay well these are my values and these are what I think the industry or my job or my boss or like whomever is influencing this is what I think their values are and this is where we're not in alignment then that can give you clarity that it's not a it's not a you thing it's not a them thing it's a values thing mm-hmm. yeah I think it. You'd find the values thing so often in corporate culture, but mm-hmm. it's not something that people do as an individual. And it's it's important. Like, where do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? Who do you spend that time for? That's that's really important to understand and to and to question. Um, we're so much more than what we do nine to five. And if we don't define what those values are, what our values are ourselves, then we're going to just accept whatever's given. 
And then that's, you know, where do you find fulfillment in that? Um, it's important to understand what's what's important to to yourself and value that. And they change, you know, like the, the values take different priorities every week. But understanding that and respecting that those are as important um, as any other influences um, was a huge lesson that, that I had to learn. And, and I'm glad I did. What are you noticing is, is that common thread of that like main value that you just, it doesn't really change positions that much. People, people have their own interests and their own personality and they bring their own gifts. You know, everyone brings their, has, um, priority, different priorities based on their backgrounds or just, you know, their experiences. And, um, I think it's, it's important to respect those individual qualities because that's what makes us unique. And um, that one makes people what people what makes people special, and then also what they bring to a team and to to different environments. Um, I guess that's kind of fun. <laughs> How everybody's different. Yeah, allowing for that diversity of not just race or gender, but but diversity of thought, diversity of value structure. Yeah, changes the game. Yeah, I was uh, I had one client that I was working with, and I he was like, why do I have to have a like hour long conversation with each of my teammates? And I said, I, I pulled them on their values. And I was like, because all of them value significance and contribution and they want to contribute their, you know, their voice. So they all value the same thing. So there was no diversity of people who could just like take a plan and execute. They wanted to feel significant in the execution. Yeah. So now that you're on the outside of the entertainment industry, and I know we have a lot of listeners in California and Hollywood who are a part of the entertainment industry, looking on the outside with your skill set that you have of pattern recognition, with the skill set that you have of looking at a world and uh, understanding it, how now that you're on the outside, what do you see is has changed or is different about that world? Yes, you know it's it's been really funny being on the on the outside uh, of the entertainment industry because I never fully appreciated how corporate it is. Um, I think it's easy to think or you get these um, stars in your eyes when you're starting out about okay, I can make this thing, I can um, be creative, and there's it's actually not that that easy. There's a lot of um, Essentially, entertainment's there for for making money, and there's a lot of power with the corporations and the studios, um, and that changes things. And it's interesting being on the out and just seeing how things are, how the business is done, and just noticing oh, where the business decisions are made. It's also been a lot more fun to watch television. <laughs> I still pick apart scenes. I still watch television and I go to the movies and I'm like, oh my gosh, I look at continuity and stuff that I think have questions. But it's I'm eating the popcorn more when I'm watching things now and it's not so much of a business thinking about, you know, how it was made and, uh, you know, what was the deal that was made, to, you know, to um, what deal happened to make, make it um, get to the air. Um, so it's been a lot more fun to watch TV and <laughs> film. <laughs> I've heard that from so many people in entertainment who pivoted, um, who just were like, 
agreed. They're like, oh my gosh, like, and now look at it without studying it. Yeah, I saw the same when uh, I used to study all the old movies and all the old movie actors for Marlon Brando and James Dean and Audrey Hepburn for like, how were they acting and all that? And, and once I was out, I was like, oh, I can just enjoy Breakfast at Tiffany's because it's a, a good movie. And then I watched yeah. it later, like 10 years later, and I was like, oh, there's some disturbing topics in this movie that I didn't really pick up on. True. It's true. I think I'm eating more popcorn at the movies now than I did before. <laughs> yeah. So has the focus pivoted now that you're working with pole dancing studios? So has the focus like now are you looking at pole dancing and are you enjoying pole dancing as much? Oh, just as much. Um, you know, it's I mean, pole dancing will always be my passion. And taking classes is just as fun, if not more fun than than it's ever been. Um, but I'm thinking about anytime I go to a, a yoga class or um, I take a spin class, I always think, oh, you know, how would you shoot this, and how can how can this instructor make more money, or you know, create their own brand and make videos and and do their own training program because it's so much easier than. And I think people realize um, right now. And I, so my, my head now, instead of thinking about movies, my head now is thinking about, okay, how could I watch this at home? <laughs> how could I take the spin class that I like so much and watch it at home and also do it, you know, five times a week or I would keep up a, a regimen. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about fitness and being active in a very different way now than I used to. I think what's really interesting is the difference in questions and the difference in your energy between your energy when you talk about the entertainment industry and oh my gosh, how you lit up like crazy. Well, it's like a Christmas tree when you were talking about pole dancing and fitness and the perception of, you know, when you're watching TV, you're thinking of like, what are the deals were being made when you were in that industry? But even though you're out of the in a different industry, you're now looking at you still light it up when you're talking about, oh, I'm watching how I could do the classes differently. I'm watching how I could make this better, how I could build them into a brand. And the the light is turned on of. Of an undertone of encouragement and hope that there's something beyond the deal room that you can do is what it feels like for me. I, I've i always loved dance. Um, and I, I love watching dancers. You know, as a kid, I, I took um, ballet class. I was either going to be a ballerina or an astronaut. And because I love how people move. And I think we're also, I've learned so much from, from dance. You know, I, I've learned that there's, everybody moves differently. Um, there's, it's really fun to explore how each your body moves and different shapes it can make and different waves or or angles it can make even as a non-dancer someone who is not flexible at all i've learned so much from from dancing and i've learned so much from that community and i've gotten um, a huge sense of empowerment from the pole dancing community and i would love to share that with people and and not just pull it like any kind of movement that people have been able to find meaning for i think it's great that um the people can find meaning and strength besides just physical strength mental strength from whatever exercise um they're doing and i would love to share that and help others and help studios do that because 
I know how beneficial it is to that I've spent years and years dancing and being frustrated at at it. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot that people can learn from doing things outside of work and building those communities of of things that they're interested in. Oh, you spoke speak to my heart, Joanne, about the power of hobbies. <laughs> And having something outside of your work, and I, I did a post on this, and it actually got a lot of response where I was like, your work is not your hobby. I love coaching, and I love writing and speaking and all that. That's not my hobby. I tried wakeboarding the other week, and I practically ripped my shoulder out. But <laughs> but I like I love those athletic endeavors. So like, what are the hobbies that you rediscovered that you had? Did you have time for hobbies when you were in the entertainment industry? It was hard. Those were the things that that went first. It was, you know, if, um, you know, when you're working in entertainment, it's 24-7. Um, you're always on call in some capacity. And those hobbies, those things that are really important that also help you grow and just get that dead mind time. Um, it's sad. We have to say goodbye to those. And um, and I, re- I regret that I let those things go because um, I think when it comes to development and also just just feeling empowered, those those are the most important things. Those are like that should be number one is is health and and well being and and um, and mental health and um, that has to always be key in in um, in your life. And it's very easy to let those go. Yeah, yeah, and I know that especially when you're in any sort of demanding job, whether it's entertainment or CEO of Fortune 500 company, you're just running a small business, feeling like you have to do all the things and be all the spaces. I know when I was, um, when I had my e-commerce company, I I was the first to let my health go, like gain weight. I, my hair was falling out from stress. Like I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning with like sweats to respond to a customer email. It was it was not a pretty sight. That's <laughs> my loving fiance now husband had the had the wherewithal to say, "Is it worth it?" Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I was uh, then asked by my business partner only a few short weeks later to for, to to leave the company, and he wanted to take it over and do run it solo. But I was so like. In hindsight, I'm so grateful that he gave me that out. Otherwise, I would have like I'm the type where I well I will fight it to the death. Like I'm like yes, we'll just we'll go down with the ship. Uh, but the fact that he let me go have a lifeboat, and I was like, yeah. great, okay, yeah. off I go to row to another shore and not sink to the bottom like Titanic. <laughs> but the uh, that that prioritizing hobbies was a huge transformation peace and and prioritizing health as 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 a priority and as a hobby to do things that are physical active and fun that can be those hobbies that you pursue so what are some of your favorite hobbies that you rediscovered Uh, i mean pole dancing obviously (laughs) pole dancing um i've also gone back to hiking which was uh um really fun and then you know part of it is um this year is really lucky to go on a on a backpacking trip so i really had to focus on the the hiking and and uh train for that uh, i have not gone back to improv yet that will have to be the next thing there's only so much you can do in a day but um i will say just getting back to um 
to pole dancing has just changed my life. There's something about um, listening to music and moving and being with other people who who enjoy that and enjoy that challenge. Um, that just is um, that's brought a lot of joy this year. Yeah, and and I've seen that joy like ripple through you, and your energy has radically transformed. How do you manage your energy now? Now that you're running a business, growing it, I what's the difference? <laughs> um, time management is a is really important uh, for me. I've always been um, very good at keeping a calendar and scheduling meetings, but now I actually block off times. I I kind of know what my rhythm is for when I can focus and get things done, and when I should um, you know take calls and when I can when it would be better to, um, you know, do more things that need a lot of detail. Um, and so I actually, I structure my day. It, it always starts out and I'm really lucky because now I start every day doing some kind of um, exercise and that's really important. And then I can start my day and, um, you know, do emails and then, um, but I, I block off my time and my, my calendar um, more. And I, in kind of like a big picture way more than I, I used to because it, it before it would be okay whenever meetings are scheduled they're scheduled and um, now I can make some decisions about when can I when is my focus better for certain things and like I try to lean into that as much as I can what a powerful question like and you said the word that is now like my the the motto that I am beating the drum for currently because I just got back from the Brennan Burchard's coaching summit and Natalie Ellis, the founder of Boss Babe, spoke at it, and she spoke about rhythms. Mm-hmm. And had, like, as soon as I got back, my rhythm felt so disrupted because I had a, a toddler who was crying for me, and then my six-year-old was like, "Oh, mommy, I want to show you this." And I felt constantly like I was like, "I'm feeling so upbeat with my rhythm," and recognizing how to develop that that rhythm and that rhythm is a team and that's one of your skill sets that you're so good at is building the rhythm of of the team so that you all kind of beat to the same drum and row in the same direction what how did you develop that within a team because i know you've done some ex- you did extraordinary work when you were doing that um at your former job and you're still doing that now with a team of whole dancers and camera crew and all that oh thank you yeah i love I love working with people. I really do. I love, um, I love brainstorming. And one of the things that I I love about working in entertainment, the piece was always working with people who are experts at different things and um, understanding what they, knowing what we were going to build, and then you know, I guess you hear the same things again and again. Asking them, "This is what we're building. What do you think?" And then, and yes, ending it. And so taking each department and then um, building onto that. Because different teams and different departments are are experts at at something, and I I really love that diversity of ideas from all all people. Like, uh, what have they seen in the past, and what do they think could make this scene or this project better or run smoother, and and then pulling on that. Um, it's a lot of asking questions, and then you know, there's always that. That management part of getting deadlines, that that's hard. But um I I think it's uh I like the challenge of realizing that everyone's schedule is gonna be a little different and how they have to hear something and they have to hear feedback is different and respecting that and then trying to figure out how to communicate to 
to people. Um, I like that challenge. And how, how would you communicate with your team? What are some of your best practices for how to communicate with a team that you're developing? I think it's so important for everyone to feel included, that all ideas are good ideas or, you know, there, there's something to be tossed out and then feeling that everyone's running in the same direction. This is the thing that we're building. This is what, what we're doing today. This is what we're shooting today. This is, you know, this is what needs to get done. What do you think? What, you know, are, does the schedule work for you? Um, you know, should we think about different angles or, or a different way to shoot it? Or, um, you know, what else needs to be done to this project to get it done on time? I like to keep the communication channels open, I, I think. Um, so keeping things friendly and keeping um, teams engaged and feeling like every, making sure people feel like they're part of the team is important. What did you find were the factors for engagement? How did you get engagement? Because I mean, especially in corporate, like 86% of the corporate workforce is like disengaged studies show. So how did you get your team members to engage at a higher level? And how are you doing that still? I don't know. I think I'm a goof, actually. And maybe <laughs> I do. And I have no problem being the goofball and being the person who's silly and just, you know, um, sharing a silly story or um, a meme or, uh, I don't know, people. So it's so fun if you're, if, if we're serious all the time. Uh, you know, I think it's important for people to feel comfortable and to, so, I do. I, I don't mind being the goofball. <laughs> you know, I think that that is such a testament, like, and a skill set that that so many teams actually could use. It's one of the laughter and fun is like fun is one of the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And that commitment to creating fun and dropping a meme, dropping a funny story, being able to laugh, it is a game changer when you stop taking business so seriously like i took business very 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 seriously for the first couple of years as i was growing my coaching business because i was a new mom and i thought everything had to be serious and you know otherwise someone was going to die aka a baby and i was <laughs> and then when i realized okay no that's not the case and started inviting more fun and having more play became so much more successful and just so much more fulfilled being able to have those those laughs and and have that goofball. So I mean, it sounds it sounds like that's a skill set, Joanne, that you have that is is so naturally you that it just is who you are. But it's actually a, a testimony for how you lead teams so well is you bring in the fun, and thus people want to be on the fun team. They want to be on, on in the place where they are feeling appreciated and they're also it's an exciting place to work i hope so i hope so because you know what we do is is hard and you know keeping track of of details or building things it's not easy and you know problem solving is not easy and, and coming up with new ideas not not easy but um it's important to have fun or try to have fun at the end yeah. of the day yeah, to try to bring in the fun. And how are you bringing in the fun to your new business? Oh, I mean, how can you not have fun? <laughs> I just filmed. I just filmed 
a burlesque choreography. And I think about that teacher every single day. And anytime she would kind of lose her train of thought, she would just go like, and shimmy. And so I still laugh at that because, um, yeah, you know what? I may not always get every word right or say something, but at the end of the day, just shimmy. It's okay. <laughs> and she had so much fun. Um, I have fun every day. I'm filming with these instructors. They're just oh, so such great artists, and uh, it's just fun. It's it's every day is fun. Oh, I love it, Joanne, and I have loved this interview and getting to see your face again and hear about all your success with all the shoots and that you're doing in the platform are you ready to enter into some rapid fire for sure <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why oh um so she's colette's an author who wrote at the turn of century and um she had this uh, quote that uh, you will do foolish things, but do them with enthusiasm. And uh, I always think that's a great thing to uh, to just keep in mind. Oh, I love that quote. I love it. That is so phenomenal. Yes, because basically the archetype of the fool, you're throwing yourself off a cliff and you're not quite sure what exactly you're doing, but you trust that you're going to have to figure it out on the way down and you might as well enjoy the way down in the view. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and she lived that way and uh, and she joined the circus. So how can she not be a role model? That's amazing. I, I, I have to investigate this woman now. Like you are that, that you were the first person to bring her up to me in almost on over 200 podcast episode, episodes that we've done so oh i'm so excited um what woman would you want to trade places with for a day alive or when she was alive in her time in history see what she saw hear what she heard and feel what it felt to be her hmm. if i could if i could be uh switch places with uh with anyone i think i would have to say my great-grandmother and just because she came, I don't know, the story that I know is that she came from Europe and then she lived and moved to a sod house in South Dakota. And there is something about what that experience must have been like that I'm just curious. I don't know much about her and that must have been a pretty crazy story. And um, I would just like to to meet her for a day. Yeah. And so she lived in a, an Assad house? Yeah, yeah. There's actually um, a plateau in South Dakota named after her family. And she was fine because she came from a lot of money and then she moved to the Assad hut and everything was going well and she had lots of kids. But then there was a stampede and the cow ran away and then she's like, okay, we're moving out. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure this happened and I'm sure it was a crazy life, but I would love to meet someone who was like, Let's give. Let's move away from nice Europe and to North Dakota and live in a hut. I would love to meet someone who made that decision. <laughs> that's a that's a definitely a pioneering decision for sure. Yes. yes. What is your morning routine like now? Sure. Uh, well, I do you like to wake up? And uh, if I've realized that um, fitness is so important, so I wake up pretty early um 6 30 and i always go to the gym and i either going to go to uh swimming or spin class 
Um, and then I come back and then eat breakfast and, and start my day. But my day's never complete without um, doing something active in the morning. Mm, I feel you on that one, sister. <laughs> what is your evening routine to set you up to wake up so early? I usually fall asleep on the couch by 10. I'm not that interesting in past nine. <laughs> You're better off. We're better off uh, connecting in the morning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what do you define to be your kingdom? I have this very nice little home office that's my kingdom. And I have all my toys. It's a, I have it on my desk. So I have all my the toys and little tchotchkes that I've collected over time. So I look at them. And then right behind me, I have uh, a larger space that's, um, you know, I have, uh, I have actually have a pole in my house. And that's my kingdom. Like this place defines me where I work. Um, and then the fact that I can, can dance at any, any moment. That's, that's authentically who I am. And yeah, along with art and lots of art on the wall. That's, that makes me happy. Yeah, that's that's so beautiful because yeah, I don't I don't see any production offices offering a pole and <laughs> this HR might have something to say about that. <laughs> they should. They should. <laughs> Last but not least, how do you crown yourself? Hmm. I think I crown myself when I realize that I too can do this, and if I I take a moment to realize what what I've learned, what I've developed and what I'm building now and um, just being really respectful and understanding. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a journey in progress. I'm a, I'm a story in progress too. And I think respecting that and um, appreciating that is, uh, is how I crown myself. Joanne, I am so honored. You did so amazing on your first podcast interview. It's almost like you've done this before. Uh, well, how can we find you? How do we work with you if we have a local studio and would like to build out an online presence? Oh, sure. So I have a website. Um, it's my name, Joanne uh, Dash Getson. So it's J-O-A-N-N-E dash G-E-T-S-O-N dot com and you can find me on there and there's ways to get in touch and then i hope everyone checks out um this website that that i'm building so i'm working with pole fitness studio in las vegas and the website that's going to be up and running is polefitnessonline.com and everything um is going to launch on october 15th so the new website the video on demand the streaming classes it's all going to happen that week so hope everybody checks it out and shimmies well that sounds like so much fun because now i have a pole i finally my pole has its final resting place that just happens to be in my children's homeschooling room <laughs> yes yes <laughs> They love climbing it. I'm sure they do. I mean, kids would love this thing. <laughs> so it has been such a pleasure having you on. Everyone, I encourage you to go check out Joanne's website and what she's building with Pole Fitness Online. It is truly extraordinary to see how you take one skill set from being an expert in tv and transfer that into some kick-ass poll videos um and trainings that you get to take so crown yourself with the opportunity of enjoying these these poll 
videos and these amazing instructors that Joanne is working with. As always, remember to own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and start creating a bigger impact now by sharing this with a friend. Just by doing that one simple act of kindness, you are creating a royal ripple to support more people in their sovereignty. And if you're not already following on social media, connect with me everywhere at crownyourself.now for more inspiration. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules. Because today, you crown yourself.